Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, guys? Really grateful you guys are listening to the pod. I would love it if you could take just five seconds to leave a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you might be listening to this. It really goes a long way to spread the message which would allow me to get better guests to add more value to your life. And if you're one of the special people that have helped spread the word on this podcast, I am deeply appreciative of your support. Enjoy the episode. Right. Does that mean you need to fast? You can get into that state um, faster because you don't need to burn glucose in order to start burning ketones or fat? Yeah. So if you start with a very low carbohydrate diet, then you're not going to store that much glycogen. So then you could actually go into this sort of ketogenic state or fat burning state much faster. You don't even need to fast to get into this fat burning stage. Mm. Um, but, you know, obviously it's it's not the easiest diet to follow long term because it's yeah. a very, very low carbohydrate diet. Jason Funk, thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, I um, I was really interested in coming. I know you went on my one of my friends Lewis House's podcast um, and really enjoyed that episode about you know just given my history of fasting, um, I just was so fascinated to ask you and pick your pick your brain around the benefits and. You know, really just the idea of this kind of this misconception that people have, I think, around fasting as well. So thanks again for coming on here. Oh, no problem. So I initially um, actually started fasting in New York. I was in my early 20s and I didn't have any money. So I would just skip meals because that just made sense to me, you know, 60% uh, instead of 100% that I would spend eating three meals a day. And for whatever reason, I just had more energy and more clarity when I was thinking. So I actually got into the science and researched it and realized like it was this whole thing. Um, But of course, there's this origin even beyond, it just kind of comes in you know, maybe thousands of years ago, right? It's in the Bible. It's 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 in many religious cultures. What are some of the um, history, or historical origins of fasting from you know some of the things that you've known? Yeah, I mean, probably. Uh, I mean, it's been obviously been around since uh, the sort of dawn of humanity, sort of thing. Mostly, probably because that like food wasn't always available, so they ate when there's food, and when there's no food, well, you didn't eat, which was essentially fasting. Uh, as you get into the sort of uh, civilization, so we know for sure, and mainly we only know because of certain religious texts, 
uh, do mention that quite a lot. So if you look at the Bible, for example, but you can go to other uh, beliefs, just Hinduism and Buddhism, for example. And obviously they have very, very strong fasting traditions as well. Um, but I'm not that familiar with those. So, uh, but if you look at sort of uh, Catholicism and so on, it's everywhere in the Bible. Like there's all these periods of fasting that you're supposed to have, whether it's Good Friday, you can see in the Jewish, uh, you know, uh, Yom Kippur, you're supposed to fast. And then there's uh, Ramadan and the Muslim tradition. So certainly at least for 2000 years, um, you know, we know that people have been fasting, not because food was not available, but because food is available, but they choose not to eat it for whatever reason. Obviously, it's a lot of spiritual things, a lot of religious things. Um, but at, by at least 2000 years ago, you had people who would be like, yes, there's food there, but I won't eat it because of my beliefs. Um, you know, we know from the ancient Greek writings, for example, a lot of uh, proponents there, sort of Pythagoras, one of the, the, the very um, uh, famous uh, mathematicians and so on. So we know it's been used for thousands of years. And it's, sure. it's an interesting thing because you say, uh, you know, you, you said that you did notice you had a lot more energy and concentrate a lot better. And in fact, that's, that's backed up really by what happens in the human body when you don't eat. And it's, it's interesting because it is such a misconception because people think the opposite. They think you can't work and that you have, will have no energy, but that's not what happens. You know, the body, to put it very simply, has a storage compartment. So when you eat, you take in food energy, which is calories. Calories uh, are not available all the time. So your body has a storage system for those calories when mm. you know when you're eating you can use the food that you're eating the energy from that food. But you're not, you will store some of that away you can store it in the form of glucose which is uh you know in the liver glycogen and you can store uh, calories in the form of body fat right so those are the four sugar and fat is the way that our body stores energy and you store it so that you will have energy when you're not eating. That's how you survive. That's why you don't die in your sleep every single night because you can store calories. When you don't eat, what happens is that you allow the body to lower the insulin. And when insulin goes down, then you sort of open the doors on that storage, right? So, you know, you, you might imagine that you have a storage shed and the door is closed, you can't get at that whatever's in there, right? But if you open that door, and that's what fasting does, it allows your insulin to fall so you can get at that search, then you're going to take the calories that you need from your body fat. And that's it. Mm. Um, so, so, in fact, there's no energy because body has all the energy stored away already. And even people who are very slender still have you know, 10% body fat, for example, that's actually very low. I mean, you'll look ripped if you're at 5%, uh, you know, you'll look kexic at four or 5%, actually 10%, you'll look pretty ripped. Most people are at 20, 25%. Right. So even a uh, 150 pound person will have 10% body fat. Like they have, you know, they look like they have no fat, but at 10%, that's still 15 pounds of body fat that they're still carrying. So a huge number of calories. Uh, even at that 15 pounds at 3,500 uh, calories per pound of fat as a rough estimate, 
you're still talking about tens of thousands of calories that you're storing on your body, even in somebody who looks totally like they have no body fat at all. So, right. so there's tons of energy there. There's a reason why your, 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 your brain should, you know, slow down or you should have no energy. And in fact, uh, if you look at uh, sort of um, the physiology of what happens when you don't eat, not only does your insulin go down, so your body now has access to all the stored calories, but it actually increases other hormones. And these are the so-called counter-regulatory hormones. And that includes noradrenaline and increased activation of your sympathetic nervous system. So your th sympathetic nervous system is the system, so there's two sort of autonomic um, nervous systems. There's the yeah. parasympathetic and the sympathetic. So symp sympathetic is basically what energizes you and gets you ready for action. So mm -hmm. it's also sometimes called the fight or flight response. So if you, you know, get in a period of high stress, you see a lion or something, your body actually goes into this fight or flight response, activates the sympathetic nervous system, floods the body with energy so that you can fight or run away. That's the same system that you're activating during fasting. So when, mm. you know, your body's not shutting down, it's actually ramping itself up during fasting. And that's why people actually find that they have more energy. And where's the energy coming from? Well, it's coming from your body fat. Well, that's great in a couple of ways, right? You have more energy and you're using your body fat. And the other thing is that it increases the uh, ability to concentrate, to ability to memorize, so your mental function actually goes way, way up. Mm. And this has actually been noticed for many years. So, you know, Pythagoras, in fact, when he uh, was, was uh, studying for his exams, he wrote that he would fast because he found that his brain just worked so much better in the fasted state. And he would actually require his students to fast that they learn that material. And there's a biography um, in, uh, about these World War II uh, prisoners of war in Japan who were literally starving. They like really, you know, ate nothing. Like it was, there was no food available. So it wasn't fasting, right. but it was starvation. Um, and the difference, of course, being voluntary, right? So starvation is involuntary. Like you mm. can't eat food even if you want to. Fasting is there is food available. You just choose not to eat it. So these people were starving, literally starving. Um, and what they noticed in this, in this book, uh, Unbroken by Lauren Hillebrand, this biography is that he noticed that everybody around him were doing these incredible feats. So he, he, he would describe this person who learned Norwegian in a week, like just what? incredible. And he described another prisoner of war who would be reading books practically verbatim All my memory it was like, and, and, and there's this one line in it that I thought was interesting. He said, that's just the astonishing mental clarity of starvation. So <laughs> with people <laughs> starving all around him, he was observing people doing incredible mental feats. And it was just so regular. He was just like, yeah, yeah, that's just what starvation does to you. It makes your brain work better, right? It's like, whoa, that's, that, <laughs> that's completely opposite of yeah. what everybody expects. Everybody says, well, I have to work. I have to concentrate, so I must eat. No you know, your brain will actually work better if you're fasting, 
because that's just the way the human body is. You're going to pump up your noradrenaline. You're going to activate your sympathetic nervous system. And therefore, you're going to have more energy and more concentration. And even for yourself, like people get this crazy idea only because people tell you so. But if you think about it, you know it's true. After Thanksgiving meal, had a huge meal, not mentally super sharp, right? Yeah, You're a bit yeah. groggy. You got that food coma. You just want to sit down and watch TV, right? And in the animal world, for example, you, you look and you say, well, do you want to be that lion that just ate, you know, a little bit wonky, a little bit woozy, or do you want to be the hungry wolf? The hungry mm. wolf is not falling over and unable that's to right. concentrate, right? He's zoned in and ready to kill you, right? And that's the point. You want to be the hungry wolf, but it's the hunger. It's that sort of fasting state that is making him much sharper than usual. So that's what fasting does. And I think that's absolutely fascinating because people understood this, you know, thousands of years ago that something happens when you fast, that's actually very, very good. So mm -hmm. it, it was always considered this good thing to fast, right? It was always like sort of purification, right? You're getting rid of that excess sugar. You're getting rid of excess fat. It would help in other ways. So fasting was always a good thing. And then you get to the last sort of 35 years uh, where people were like, oh, you have to eat all the time. Like you must eat the minute you get up and eat, 10 or 12 meals a day, eat small meals all throughout the day, and basically don't, don't stop eating until you go to sleep, right? And we, we told people that it was healthy for you. It's like, but why would that be healthy? Mm. It's like, you're never getting into that fasted state. That is, if you're feeding, when you're feeding, your insulin is up, you're going to store calories. That's what you do. It's only when you don't eat that those calories that you ate are going to come back out so that you, you use them. So if you want to lose weight, you just need to increase the amount of time that you're using the calories stored on your own body, because that is literally like no other reason to store those calories. So fasting is not some crazy idea. So you have to understand that when I started talking about fasting, 2013, 2014, people thought I was insane. Like right. they really thought yeah. I was crazy. They thought people would die. They thought people would like, it was hysterical. Like it was, it, people really thought that this natural state that we're supposed to go in was going to kill us. And if we went into this fasted state, which we're supposed to do every so often, right? That's the word breakfast, mm -hmm. break your fast, right? You're supposed to fast every day. They thought that that would actually be hugely detrimental, even if you were 500 pounds. It was oh, yeah. insane. It was a complete, like, the, 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 it was totally, like, no science there at all. They ignored sort of basic first-year medical student physiology. You know, it was, it was crazy. They really right. thought people would die. Even the person, I mean, I would imagine the person that is 300, 400, 500 pounds is going to even think it's crazier to even fast because the way they got there was to eat all the time. So the idea of yeah. not eating is just so counterintuitive to the way they've been living their entire lives. I can totally, I can totally see that, but it, it is very counterintuitive. Um, but I, I love the, the benefits that you mentioned. Autophagy is another one 
that is one of the major benefits of the idea of like recycling mitochondria and your cells. Can you talk to us a little bit about the breakdown of what happens, you know, beyond just energy, but the actual cleansing that happens in our bodies when we're fasting? Yeah. And this is uh, sort of much more recent research. Um, and what's, um, Autophagy is uh, the the one of the main sort of researchers. Won the I think is uh, he won a Nobel Prize in physiology for this research. It's that mm. important. Wow! And what it is, it's a where the body will break down certain proteins. Um, and that sounds really bad. Like, everybody, oh, you're breaking down proteins. That's really bad. But it's not, actually. So it's a cellular uh, recycling system. So what you do is you break down the protein. And then when you have food, then you're going to build whatever proteins that you need back. So that's the process of autophagy. So if you think about this entire process of breaking down and rebuilding, it's actually a process of rejuvenation, right? Mm. So if you think about, you know, uh, you know, you want to renovate your house, or for example, you want to, you know, change up your bathroom. The first thing you have to do is rip everything out. Like you can't do anything until you rip it, the, the other stuff out, right? If you have that, you know, avocado green 1970s tub and a sink and a toilet, you can't just put in a new bathroom. Right? You have an old bathtub there. So the entire process of rejuvenation begins with a destructive process. You've got to get rid of the old stuff before you get the new stuff put in, right? But the entire process, so if you look at just the, if you look at this, the destructive part of thing, you'd say, oh, that's really bad. But it's not because you're missing the whole part where you're rebuilding, right? So, so you rip out the old tub, you put in a new tub, you put in marble sinks and stuff, and, and it's beautiful, Right. We couldn't do that unless you started with breaking it down. And that's what autophagy is. So, you, you know, when, when you fast, so when you, have, when you don't eat anything, what happens at around 18 hours to 24, 30 hours, something like that, is that your body actually starts. So, so in the first part of fasting, after, after you eat, so four hours you're eating, you get into the fasting state, you start burning sugar. Once you start into that 18-hour in the four hour period, you actually start to break down protein. And this is called gluconeogenesis. And this is one of the reasons people used to say, oh, you should never fast. You're breaking down proteins. It's like, okay, the body's not that stupid that it's going to start breaking down vital proteins right. when you have all this sugar and all this fat sitting around, right? It doesn't, it's just not that stupid. We didn't survive to become the dominant species by being that stupid. So right. what we do is actually you break down this protein, right? And then the other thing is that growth hormone goes through the roof when you fast. So if you look at fasting, growth hormone goes up by about a factor of five times at 24 mm. hours. So by the time wow. you've broken it all down, your growth hormone's really high. If you eat again, then your body is already primed to start building. And that's the whole process. Break down the old junk proteins, then you eat and then you rebuild it. But you can only get there if you're having a proper fasted period 
um, of, you know, somewhere around 18 to 24 hours. Uh, it's mostly depends on protein actually. So protein is the main uh, controller of this uh, sort of autophagy. So sure. a lot of people are very interested in this because of course it's a way to um, combat some of the diseases that you see in older people. So for example, Alzheimer's disease, terrible disease. Um, you know, and whether something like fasting uh, might be able to help in that or with other neurologic diseases, it's a good question. You don't have the good research into that, but um, certainly it's, it's a way to get there. So, you know, other than the sort of more obvious benefits of fasting, like weight loss and control of diabetes and things like that, um, autophagy is just this, you know, it's, it's one of these wellness things that you can do for yourself. And, sure. and remember like this, this is stuff that's free. Like nobody's trying to make a buck off of you when you don't eat, you don't mm. eat. Like there's no money being made by anybody. You save money, right? right? You save yeah. money. Exactly. And so this is an intervention that's completely free. It's available to everybody in the world, like right now, like literally this minute, and it's been used for thousands of years as a very traditional wellness practice. So mm. it's not like I just made it up. It's not like nobody has ever done this before. Because sometimes you get these crazy, um, you know, fads out there that are like, oh, you should eat this and this and this. And it's some strange, you know, herb or something like that. Well, it's like, uh, but it's not been like that's what this is this is literally the oldest dietary intervention in the book it's been used for thousands of years it's been enshrined into almost every religion in the world for for a reason right like the the the, the heads of these religions they're not trying to kill their practitioners here they're trying to make sure they survive <laughs> to spread that religion around so you know it, it and now science is just catching up it's like oh hey not only are there benefits for weight loss and type 2 diabetes, but, but of course, there was no concern about that, you know, 2000 years ago, like obesity was just practically not an issue. Um, but nevertheless, people had learned, you know, probably through trial and error that people who fast regularly actually are much healthier than if you don't. And yeah. why? Well, autophagy might be a very good reason why people are better. You're sort of giving your cells a cycle. It's like that's better than, and, and, and yet, you know, if you eat all the time, you're going to turn off this autophagy all the time. Yeah. Yeah. The unfortunate state of where the, you know, the, the capitalistic society that we're living in is that trillions of dollars are being spent to help people, to get people to eat and drink, because that's where money's made. And fasting, as you mentioned, is helping people save money. And actually, yeah. not spend any money in the into the economy. So, yeah, it is it is unfortunate. Um, you mentioned intermittent fasting, certainly releasing autophagy after eighteen hours or twenty four hours. There's also prolonged fasting. Can can you talk about the differences of the two, just at a high level, and also what happens to the body after prolonged, which I believe is forty eight hours or more, right? Yeah. So. Um... There's, there's certain stages of intermittent fasting. I, I, I covered it actually. I, I have a YouTube channel. If people are interested, they can. Yes, it's very helpful. There's one of the videos about um, the five stages of intermittent fasting. 
And it's interesting because you, that way you know what you should be targeting, right? So um, the first stage is feeding. So at four hours, you're insulin, so you're eating, insulin is up, your cells are using the energy that you're taking. Mm. Um, then you get into this period where you're going to be using sugar as your main source of energy, right? So when you eat and assuming you're eating sort of 50% carbohydrates, which is a sort of a standard diet, um, you, you'll be using the sugar. Your body has stored away some sugar in the liver as glycogen. So when you take glucose, so glucose is the, when you eat carbohydrates, it's a lot of glucose. When you eat bread, there's a lot of glucose in there. The liver takes this glucose, strings it all together, and stores it as a molecule called glycogen. So when you have nothing to eat, uh, by, from four to about, say, 20 hours, your body's going to take the glycogen, chop it up and back up into glucose, and just send it out, and your body is going to be using glucose. Um, by about uh, you know, 18 to 24, 30 hours or so, the glycogen is starting to run out. So your body's going to take some protein, and that's the autophagy. So it's going to start to take some protein and basically turn it into glucose and send it out for energy. Mm. When you get past about 24, 30 hours, um, then there's, there's no more glucose. Now your body has to switch over into its second source of energy. So your body runs either on glucose or fat. If mm. glucose is around, they'll use glucose. But when there's no glucose around, it's going to switch over into using body fat. So body fat is a molecule called, called triglycerides. And essentially, uh, the, 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 the triglycerides get delivered into the liver and the, the, you know, the body, the, most of the um, cells, so the, your liver, um, sorry, your kidneys, your heart, your lungs, they can all, your muscles, they can all use triglycerides directly. So your, your muscles will switch over from burning sugar to burning fat. Um, the brain can't use that. So it uses the ketones. Your liver takes the triglycerides, turns them into ketones, which now cross the blood brain barrier, goes to the brain and your body can use, your brain can use those ketones. So what is happening when you get to prolonged fasting is essentially this switch from burning sugar to burning fat. It's just a different source of energy. Now, if you eat, follow a ketogenic diet, for example, <coughs> where you eat almost zero carbs, you can't burn sugar because you have no sugar. So you're just trying to stay in this sort of fat burning stage. It's the source of energy. Right. Does that mean you need to fast? You can get into that state um, faster because you don't need to burn glucose in order to start burning ketones or fat? Yeah. So if you start with a very low carbohydrate diet, then you're not going to store that much glycogen. So then you could actually go into this sort of ketogenic state or fat burning state much faster. You don't even need to fast to get into this fat burning stage. Mm. Um, but you know, obviously it's, it's not the easiest diet to follow long-term because it's yeah. a very, very low carbohydrate diet. So, um, but there's nothing wrong with it, uh, generally. So, so that's the stage. So when you get into more extended fasting, so assuming you're eating a sort of standard diet of 50% carbohydrates, for example, then it's going to, that, that's what the extended fasting does. It gets you into the stage where you're just burning fat. And, and it's great because there's two things that happen. One is that um, the, you know, the, the, the hunger starts 
to go down, which is great, like with the extended fasting. Everybody thinks hunger goes up and up and up until you just can't take it anymore. But when you start doing extended fasting and you start doing measurements of uh, people's ghrelin, which is the hunger hormone, or you simply ask them, how hungry are you? What's interesting is that hunger tends to peak at you know, somewhere around one to two days. So um, if you're doing, say, a seven-day fast, right? And some people do these seven-day fasts and 30-day fasts and stuff. You read about them sometimes. Um, the reason they're able to do it is because the hunger has started to dissipate by day four, day five, you know, by day one, day two, you're hungry and you're go- You're at the stage where it's like, I'm never going to be able to do this by day five, day six. You're like, I could do this forever. And the reason is that your body is supplying all the energy it needs and the hunger has gone down. Again, these are all protective mechanisms. So you have to, you have to think about it from an evolutionary standpoint. So that you gave woman and it's winter and there's nothing to eat well you know your body you know is very very smart right we assume the body is stupid but the body's extremely smart so there's two choices here like if our body started to shut down and you know just be hungry all the time first your body shutting down it's going to be even harder to get food because you have no energy right And two, you'd be miserable, like completely miserable because you're just hungry all the time while you're lying on the couch, unable Uh to get up because you have no energy, right? Then you'd die and we'd not be here, right? Like our body is just not that stupid, right? What happens is that your body simply switches fuel sources. It says, well, no food is available. So let's switch from the food that you're eating to the stored food in, you know, in your body fat. And then it ramps it up. It says, I'm going to give you a ton here. I'm going to sharpen your focus, give you a ton of energy so that you can go out and get food. If there's still no food available, like after five days or six days, which could happen, you know, a thousand years ago, then your body just starts to decrease your hunger level. So you're not constantly distracted by how hungry you are. It's like focus on getting some food, people, right? So the body is so extremely smart. Like we make the assumption that our body's so stupid that if we didn't do something, like if we didn't eat breakfast, we'd die sort of thing. Like your body has this taken care of. That's how we survived these 2,000, you know, these 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 years, not by being stupid. So because hunger is going down in an extended fast, it does, you know, two things. One is that it's easier to do. And two, you're already in that fat burning mode. So you're burning almost pure fat, which is great. And three, it actually keeps your metabolic rate, which is everybody thinks, again, the complete opposite. If, if, you're, um, if you measure how much energy people are burning, you know, and you can put them, you know, at day zero, you measure how much, this is your metabolic rate. How much energy are you burning? How many calories are you burning? And then measure them after four days of nothing to eat. At four days of nothing to eat, the number of calories you burn has actually increased by 10%. Increased. So everybody thinks that your body's going to shut down. You're going to go into this starvation mode where you know, you're, you're burning less calories. You're not. You're burning more calories because the body has ramped itself up. It's all these counter-regulatory hormones. Your body's giving you energy to get out there and get food. But the side effect of that is that you're burning more energy. If you're trying to lose fat, you're losing fat at a faster rate once you start getting into the three, four, five days. And 
know, the whole thing is quite interesting because we have surgeries, and this is for weight loss. This is for morbidly obese people, so, so, so overweight that their health is severely impacted. We do this bariatric surgery for people where we cut their stomach to the size of like a walnut, and then we rewire their intestine so whatever gets in doesn't get absorbed. It comes out through their stools. So essentially, you're making sure you're surgically enforcing that they're not getting any food, which is fasting. And people do extremely well with these bariatric surgeries, sure. right? But it's like, if you do well with that, why couldn't you simply fast instead right. of Without needing the surgery? Stomach, <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and the answer of course, is that there's a lot of money to be made in, in, in surgery. Yeah, back and there's to the no money. money to be made in fasting. Right. So, yeah. so the enthusiasm after surgery for the last 10 years has been through the roof in the medical community. Everybody, Oh, we need to do more of this. We need to do more stomach stapling and all this stuff. And the, the enthusiasm for fasting has been like zero in the medical community because there's nobody pushing it, right? Mm. There's nobody giving lectures on it. But if, in fact, it's, that's an, you know, cutting your stomach so that you can fast, why don't you just fast instead? Like, it's just a way healthier way to do it. If you Agreed. had no other options, sure. But we do have options, right? We yeah. can do this, right? Everybody has that willpower. And and, and that's, that's, you know, that's essentially the same physiology and we know that it works very well. Um, but the good thing is that we can, we can take advantage of that. Now, circling back to the differences of intermittent fasting and the prolonged fasting, which starts at that 48 hour mark, are there any studies done that shows a kind of, you know, a return uh, depending on how long you do the fasting, meaning is there a diminishing marginal return the longer you fast? Um, so let's say at, 20, at 12 hours you fast, when, if you do 24 hours, I imagine there's still a, maybe not a 2x gain, but still a very big gain. But where does this start to taper off uh, um, it, the returns that you get. Yeah, it actually doesn't really. So it, depending on what you're doing, right? So if you're talking about autophagy, it only happens for a very short period of time because you can't just keep burning protein. So mm. again, the body is so much smarter than we give it credit for. You don't want to keep, so say you do a seven day fast, you don't want to burn protein from you know 18 hours all the way until seven days. Because remember, it's a cycle. You want to break down and then you want to build. So if you don't, you're not going to get into that building phase, the body shuts that down. It doesn't break down anymore. So again, if you look at the sort of five stages of fasting, the start by burning sugar, then you have this small period where you're burning protein. When you get into 36, 48 hours, the protein burning, the sugar is gone. The protein burning has essentially stopped and you're just burning body fat because that's how you stored those calories. So there's, and, and that just goes on. So from about 48 hours onward, every, every day is the same. You're just pulling calories out of body fat. You know, hunger starts to go down, but all those other things don't keep going because it's going to be bad for you if you keep doing autophagy, right? So there's no upper limit for weight loss though, because you're still burning the same amount. And, you know, your, your energy expenditure, the number of calories you burn is not going to keep going up. It, 
plateaus. So at about 10% higher than your baseline, but it plateaus mm. and it just keeps going. So every day, so say on a normal day, you're burning 2000 calories during fasting, you might go up to 2100, for example, and just stay at that level for seven days, 30 days until your body fat really starts to run down too low. Then the body again is very smart and is going to shut it down. But if you're sort of, you know, if you have an excess, uh, you know, body fat and you're trying to lose it, if you think about how many pounds of fat you can burn in a day of fasting, it's only about a half a pound a day. A pound mm. of fat is roughly 3,500 calories. You're using about say 2,000, 1,800, 2,000. That's only a half a pound of fat. That's not a lot. So if you have, if you want to lose 10 pounds of body fat, then that's 20 days of fasting to lose that, right? It's a lot. Not a lot of yeah. people go 20 yeah. days fasting. Uh, you can if you want. But at a certain point, your body, it does start to lower that because it's like, I can't keep this up. If you, if you only have a few days left uh, of body fat in your stores, you're going to start shutting down. So, but again, I, because uh, I'm a physician, I deal mostly with people on the far extreme part of like, they have 120 pounds, 150 pounds to lose, for example. So, yeah. you know, if you're trying to lose a hundred pounds, you could go 200 days. You could go more than half a year without eating, right? Now I would never tell people to do that. It's a little bit like, I tend to take it slower so that you don't run into problems but you could theoretically go like half a year without eating. Wow. And still be fine. Have you fine. seen someone that do that? Uh, there's, year. there's no, I mean, that's a long time. I've had people who do like 30 days and so on, but uh, yeah. generally no. And that's 15 pounds uh, expected body weight loss, but there are descriptions that the, the world record for longest fast was 382 days. Like that's oh a year. Oh my God. And this is crazy. So, and this happened in the 1970s. It was monitored by some physicians. Then they wrote it up. So this guy, he didn't eat for 382 days. And we are worried if you don't go more than three hours without eating. <laughs> yeah. right? People will tell yeah. you, you must eat. You have to have breakfast because it's been two hours. It's like, yeah, this guy went 300 plus days. <laughs> We're worried about like three hours. Like there's a huge discrepancy here between what is actually true and what yes. is uh not true so uh, yeah i mean there's no sort of upper limit the you know if you if you are overweight then yeah you can do what uh, all the time they, they they get off their medications for type 2 diabetes for example you know i've written a couple of art, uh, uh, research publications about that um, uh, you know, they, they, they lose the weight, they get so they come off their blood pressure medications, they come off their cholesterol medications. So they, they get so much healthier, uh, having, having lost that weight, because again, we're in a, we're in a period where most of our health problems in Canada, North America are because of overweight, not underweight. So, right. you know, for us, it's a better intervention to be doing, doing so this guy that fasted for 380 days, you said? 360 days? Yeah, 380, I think. 
what was the difference? Like, what state was he in before he got into that fasting mode? Well, he was severely overweight. I think he was like 400 plus pounds, right? So, oh, wow. Uh, okay. He had a lot of body fat. Off of. It's, um, you know, and, and bears do it all the time. They, they hibernate all winter and just live off their body fat. But that's what body fat is for. So if you are overweight, then yeah, you can live off your body fat. That's what we're trying to get people to do. We're trying to get them to use those stores of calories because that's all it is. It's a storage. It's like your basement, right? When you stick stuff into that basement freezer, that's there for you to use. If you just keep sticking stuff in your freezer and not using it, well, soon it's going to be full and then it's going to spill over and then you're going to get sick. We're just yeah. telling people you want to use, let, let, let your body use it up. Like it's not fun or anything. Right. That's why, you know, people need help doing it and stuff. And but you have to have the knowledge, whereas it was such a strange period of time before, like in the you know, when I started talking about fasting and everybody thought I was insane. Um, it's such so strange because we'd be telling people, um, you know, who are like 400 pounds, you need to eat, 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 eat all the time to lose weight. Does that even make any sense? Like at all? <laughs> it's like, oh, you got to jump in the shower to dry off. It's like, you can't lose weight by yeah. eating. It's right. actually completely impossible. Yeah, the only way, <laughs> exactly. But that's what dietitians were saying. That's what doctors were saying. You must eat all the time to lose weight. And if you don't eat all the time, if you, if you decide to skip a meal, you're going to gain weight. I'm like, okay, how does that work? because I'm really puzzled here. <laughs> if you don't eat, there's actually zero chance you're going to gain weight. It cannot mm. happen unless it's water weight or something, right? But that's yeah. what we're telling people is complete opposite of what's actually true. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I think that's why the specifics of how to actually do the fasting is so important because I have friends of mine and you know people in my life that have tried it, right? I'm sure you've run into situations where they haven't done it properly. So they come back to you and say, you know, I didn't really do anything for me. I don't think this is for me. When in fact they were, I don't know, like drinking juice in the morning yeah. while they were fasting and all these different things. So um, I guess two follow-ups is like, what is the minimum given that most people are actually struggling with fasting rather than trying to do a 300 day fast? What is the minimum required hours of fasting required before you eat again for you to see, for, for it to be considered, you know, time restricted and fasting. Um, and what are the things that we cannot uh, eat or, or we, what we cannot even drink, I guess, in this case, um, for us to break the fast? Yeah, so that's a great question. So first of all, if you think about how used to eat in the 70s is very different than today. So we have lots of surveys which tell us in the 70s, people ate, actually, this is the way I grew up, right? Breakfast, lunch, dinner, no snacks and nothing after dinner. If you wanted a you know, before dinner snack, your mom would say, no, you're going to ruin your dinner. If you wanted a bedtime snack, she would say, no, you should have ate more at dinner. So that's the way it was. So you ate breakfast at eight, you ate dinner at six. That's a 10 hour feeding window and a 14 hour fasting period every single day, sort of without fail, sort of, that's the baseline, okay? So 14 hours of fasting, and, and obesity is just extremely rare in that period of time. 
even though people are eating cookies or eating ice cream, like they're eating the same sort of stuff, probably not to the same extent, but they're still eating, you know, they're not watching their diets uh, particularly. And uh, so a 14 hour fasting period is a pretty good sort of doing no snacks, three meals a day, 14 hours of fasting. And for, for many people, if you maintain that as your normal, then you can actually do very well and stay relatively thin. Like obesity rates, of course, in the 70s were just much, much lower. And that, you know, that's why people have the word breakfast, right? It's a meal that breaks your fast with the implication that fasting is actually just a normal part of everyday life. You feed and then you fast. And the fasting period is when your mom would say, well, you need time to digest, right? That's, that's what people used to say. Um, it's, it completely changed. So by the 90s and 2000s, people had started to eat constantly. And it, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why I think that happened. But when you do surveys, and somebody did a survey just a few years ago, Dr. Panda, um, he did gave people an apple tract how often they're eating and so on. Turns out the average duration, so the average duration of eating went from 10 hours to about 15 hours. So more than, mm. I think 50% of people were eating more than 15 hours a day. 15 hours a day, you know, just to put it into perspective, <laughs> it means that you start eating at 8 a.m. and you don't stop eating until 11 p.m., which is, of course, eating as soon as you get up and eating <laughs> constantly until you go to bed. That's basically the average duration of eating these days. Why? Because doctors and dietitians have been telling people that you, you, know, you can't skip breakfast. You got to get up and eat and have a bedtime snack and you should graze throughout the day and have small meals through the day. It's like, mm. you know, there's no reason you need to snack. but it's been so ingrained like even in the schools like you know my kids when they're younger they go uh, on a bus they go on a field trip and we get these notes saying please pack your child two snacks i'm like why are you not gonna feed them lunch or am i not gonna feed them dinner like what's happening here that they need to snack yeah. and uh you know i remember bringing the kids to soccer and people would be like oh we have to have a snack in the middle of the between the two halves That's of soccer so true. i'm like yeah. why why on earth would you want to do that? Like I played soccer when I was younger, like not formally, but nobody chased me around with uh, juice and cookies. And I had a lot of fun, right? I didn't need to snack. These kids don't need to snack and we're giving them cookies, right? It's, Why is it's that completely, you think? well, it's because people believe that you needed to eat all the time. And I think the reason how that came about was that we went from in the seventies, of government advice to eat an extremely low fat diet. Now there's no actual scientific evidence. And of course we've totally gone back on that. So, but in the seventies, they said eat low fat. So um, what happened is that people went from eating sort of bacon and eggs to eating white bread and jam because white bread and jam is all sugar and no fat. The problem when you do that is that your glucose spikes very high. And then because they're, most of that is just refined carbohydrates then it goes down, you know, your sugar spikes up, then it spikes down. Then you're hungry at 10.30. So you're looking for a snack. You're looking for a low fat muffin. 
right? Now high, you know, lots of refined carbs again, spikes up, spikes down. Then you go have some pasta. And then by 2.30, you're hungry again because your sugar spiked up, spiked down, right? So you're eating constantly because you're hungry. And then people looked at it and said, well, instead of eating three times a day, I'm eating like six, seven, eight, because I'm hungry. But then people said, but I'm eating really low fat. So it must be good. So therefore they said, oh, it's actually a good thing that I'm eating six times a day, eight times a day. So then it became sort of this, one of these things that just got out there and never came back to us that we should be eating six, seven, eight times a day when there's actually no scientific evidence. If we had to eat six times a day, again, we wouldn't be here because, you know, people are not hunting and catching, you know, a deer six times a day just to, just to snack on. Right. It's, totally, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a ridiculous thing. That's why you have body fat. So you can store some of it away that you don't have mm-hmm. to keep eating it. It's not like, you know, if, if, if we had this equivalent in a car, it'd be like, Oh, so we have to go fill up eight times a day. Well, that's not a very useful car, right? If you're just constantly driving to the gas station. Mm. totally totally the car not that stupid nobody would design anything that stupid same as a human body you put the fuel in and you store some of it away so that you don't have to keep going back that's what body fat is but we we sort of lost track of that so that's that's why i think you can do very well with like a 14-hour fast a time-restricted eating even just 10 hours as long as you do it consistently but that's not going to make you lose a lot of weight. It's going to maybe prevent you from gaining a lot of weight, but it's not going to make you lose a lot of weight. So people then start to shrink it into sort of an eight hour eating window, four hour eating window, or sort of one meal a day. Those are all very popular fasting regimens and you can do extremely well with, uh, with any of those. Right. So a good place to start at least is minimum a 10 hour eating window. And that's like, you can build up from there as your body gets used to it more and more. Yeah. Uh, what is what is like the first meal that you recommend people eat once they've gotten out of their fast? So they've done a 14 hour fast. What's like the first thing they should and should not eat? Yeah. So unless you're doing, unless you're, um, yeah, unless you're doing a really extended fast, like three, four or five days, um, you just eat whatever you normally eat. So mm. remember when you're fasting, you are going to force your body to basically eat, that is take the calories from your body fat. So you're trying to make the body eat its own body fat. So therefore, when it's time to eat again, so say you do a one meal a day, so you eat dinner, you want to eat breakfast from your body fat, you want to eat lunch from your body fat, and at dinner time, you want to eat as normally as possible. If you eat sort of breakfast, lunch, and dinner, like the equivalent, like a huge meal, one, it's, it's not that easy because you wind up with like a big stomach ache. And everybody who's done fasting has done that. They've, we've mm-hmm. all made that mistake. So you get a big stomach ache, you ate too much at one time. And you don't feel um, so, But you want to eat as normally as possible because if you don't, if you simply take all of the food that you would have eaten at breakfast, lunch, and dinner all in one meal, well, you're just going to put all into storage. But your storage is not going to go down because you're just putting a huge amount into storage. So you really want to just eat as normally as possible. And, and if, you're, if you're doing these shorter fasts, like less than three or four days, then you don't have to worry about what to eat afterwards. Just eat as normally as you normally would. Try not to overeat. That's the main mistake that I see. 
Um, and then if you are doing these longer fasts, that's when you have to plan a little bit. And um, there's certain things. One is that you want to make sure you're not doing this if you're underweight or malnourished or something. But two, you also want to uh, break it a little bit more gently just to give your body a bit more of a chance to sort of catch up to it. So what I usually tell people to do is one, try to stay away from really highly processed, uh, high carb foods like, you know, bread and so on. Again, you get, you don't want to get those big spikes and stuff. You want to get something that's just going to go in sort of nice and easy over time. Um, certain things are not, you know, people have a bit more trouble digesting like nuts, nut butters, for example, just because your, your, your digestive system hasn't been working for a while. So you don't want to give it something super complex uh, to mm. handle. Um, so what I often tell people to do is plan to eat sort of a pre-meal. So like 30 minutes before your main meal, then have like a little salad or something, something that's limited in size and is just there to get the digestive juices sort of going. Um, and, and that's really only for the long fast, all the shorter ones, which is what most people do now. So in the 60s, when we talked about fasting, people were doing 30 days at a time. Mm. Um, nobody does that anymore, right? It's, it's, it's barely even 30 hours for the most part. It's like 16 to 24 hours is the most popular sort of regimen. You don't have sure. to take any special precautions. Yeah, I've just been eating my normal breakfast, which people think it's like the craziest thing in the world to eat eggs and like tomatoes and red pepper at like 12 p.m. or 1 p.m. I mean, I, mean it, I love it. And I actually think people make a mistake of eating too much carbs and sugar when they first start fasting because what happens is they feel tired after like an hour and they think it's the fasting that made them tired. So they misattribute these different things that, but it was actually how they broke their fast. So, um, yeah, I, um, I recommend, I guess, just as you mentioned, just eating, eating what you need to. Yeah, eggs got a real bad rap for a lot of years because of the yeah. cholesterol. And it turns out that, that there's all the studies show that it's actually a very healthy food, like lots of healthy fats, lots of protein. Mm. Um, so it's actually a great thing. And if you look at a lot of, um, sort of Asian cultures, um, you know, they'll have something like, you know, pork and rice and they'll put an egg on it. It's like delicious. Yeah, <laughs> it's it like, is. I think people are really missing something so here. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you know, or like uh, Korean food, they'll like just crack an egg in there. Right. It's like, yeah. Oh, it's great. So like yeah, if you're yeah. not used to it. It's like, well, this is great. <laughs> yeah. You're missing out people. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dr. Fung, I, I really appreciate it. I want to respect your time because I know you have a hard stop here. Um, where can people uh, learn more about what you're doing? Obviously your YouTube channel will link all of that down. Anything else that people can check out to learn more about fasting, nutrition, yourself, Uh, yeah, so you can go, I have, um, so there's the YouTube channel, which there's a lot of videos that are there. And um, yeah. uh, just look under Jason Fung, you should be able to find all of them. You can go on Twitter. My handle is at Dr. Jason Fung. Uh, my website is uh, Dr. Jason Fung. That one is spelled D-O-C-T-O-R, Dr. Mm -hmm. Jason Fung. The other one, the other site was taken by some 
porn site or something. I don't know. It what? Was, <laughs> yeah, I know. It was like when I was trying to get that website, I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> like a penis enlargement doctor or something? I, I don't know. There's all these like <laughs> naked people on that site. Oh, boy. So okay. I don't go that. to that site, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can if you want to. But yeah. Those those are all the sites. And then um, I'm also uh, have a blog also at the fasting method.com. So that's a company that's right. I helped. Uh, it's, it's basically providing a community for people who are fasting. And also there's coaching there for people who want to do it. Um, because at the time I started, of course, there was no help for anybody who wanted to fast. Nobody was sure. talking about it. Everybody was trying to tell people not to do it. So we have a community there. There's, you know, discussion boards. And then there's also coaches that are sort of specialized for fasting, really, uh, so that they know what people are going through. So, if, you know, it's, it's a great way. So, you know, the tool itself, which is the fasting, is totally free. It's, it's yeah. you know, you can do it yourself if, if you're able to. But if you need help, then there, there, there should be somewhere. And that's at thefastingmethod.com. Beautiful. And then there's yeah. the books, of course. I've written a, f- a few books on that. So there's the Obesity Code, which uh, the Complete Guide to Fasting, the Diabetes Code. Um, the, the Obesity Code and the Diabetes Code are more uh, science-type uh, books. They're really talking about the uh, sort of what happens in the body, uh, how to understand weight loss and reversal of type 2 diabetes. And the Complete Guide to Fasting is, is more of a practical guide. And the, uh, I have also a book called The Cancer Code, which is, is slightly different. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's more of a science book about what cancer is, which is actually a fascinating mm. topic, actually. Yeah, a lot of codes. Is that going to be a continuing series, like five, ten um, books, um, different I, codes? I, don't, I think I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I know how painful the book writing process is. So, <laughs> Well, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, fasting has certainly made such a big impact in my life and millions of other people. So I hope even just if one person can take action and start the journey of fasting, I think it can make, uh, you know, this episode that we spent time on, I think it, it can make all the difference. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you, Dr. Jason Fong, um, and happy fasting. Thank you so much. Thanks for making it all the way to the end of the show. Hope you really enjoyed our guest today and that you took one thing valuable from our conversation. If you haven't already, I would love it if you could leave a quick rating or review on whichever network you're listening to the show and share this episode with one friend if you found it valuable. And if it's something that a friend, a family member, or just someone that you care about could find a little bit of insight from what you learned today. All right. Ciao.